This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The views expressed by guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information discussed by guests on this program are those of the guests and is only for informational purposes and should not replace medical advice by your local veterinarian professional. Hi, this is Susan Marie from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, protecting your pets from parasites and saying goodbye to a beloved pet. That's what's on our show this week. Let's get started. Hey, do you hear that? What is that? It's the bark heard round the world. The Doggy Diva Show. Here's national award-winning author and animal advocate, Susan Marie. Hi, welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-hosts, the Doggy Divas themselves, Francesca, Coco, and our newest little diva, Miss Olive. Miss Olive is the cute little Italian greyhound rescue in the picture with the microphone. Thank you for joining us today as we bring the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. Contact us at thedoggydiva.com. That's the D-O-G-G-Y-D-I-V-A.com. We love hearing from you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment. So I just want to tell you about a company that I came across, and I really think what they do is great. Carlson Pet Products. Very, very affordable. The company specializes in creating pet safety products to keep your pet happily protected from the puppy stage through their senior years. They have a variety of products. They have pet pens. They have foldable elevated beds, crates, pet gates. I mean, all phenomenal stuff. Their pet gates I love because basically they fit any size opening in your home. And most of the gates also have like a walk-through door. It's a small door for your pet to pass through without having to remove the whole gate. So it's really, really cool. Look them up, carlsonpetproducts.com. Get a 25% discount and free shipping if you use the promo code PETLIFE, P-E-T-L-I-F-E. Check them out. You're going to love them. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. back to the Dog Diva Show. We're here with Monica Layton, President of Professional Pet Sitting. Now, Monica, we're into summer, and summer is like big parasite time. I mean, it's it's great to have the best kind of prevention for our fur kids. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? So, down in Florida, where we are, prevention is all year round. I know up north, some states do it, you know, certain times of the year and certain ones off. But generally, summertime is every state everywhere. Uh, you need some kind of prevention. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about the preventions and why they are so important. There is a great resource online, and it's called the CAPC, which is the Companion Animal Parasite Council. And their job is to do all these studies. Part of their job is to educate us by doing all these studies on what geographic areas are having the biggest issues as far as parasites and keeping our pets parasite free. There's different types of parasites and they can attract them and get parasites from different mediums. 
For example, the number one parasite out there that is of major concern is heartworms. Heartworms was something that was very, very, very big years ago and people got on the prevention and it wasn't as common for all these dogs to be coming down with heartworms. However, some somewhere along the line, people have stopped remembering to do the prevention or it wasn't talked to them at some point about the prevention, or they just simply haven't realized the importance of it or where they come from. But heartworms is a definite major thing that your pet needs to be on all the time. Heartworms come from mosquitoes. So you have a mosquito that carries the heartworm virus. They take a blood meal from your pet, and your pet now has heartworms. Heartworm treatment is it has gotten safer over the years however it is it is, still takes a toll on your pet and having heartworms and contracting heartworms and even if you get it quickly it's very very pricey to treat and it can take years off your pet's lifespan so prevention is key here um, they have an injection you can do now for um, heartworms again that lasts for six months. So you're just doing one little shot every six months. Easy peasy, done. You don't have to worry about it. Um, they have the monthly heartworm preventions. They have some that are topical, some that are oral. It's really what's going to be easiest for you. So when you go to your vet and you have the discussion, pick the one that is by far the easiest for you to do because if it's a pain, you're not going to do it. It's not going to be remembered. So whatever is best and easiest for your family is the way to go. Um, another parasite that, you know, becomes an issue during these summer months are our fleas and our ticks. Ticks are hard to kill. They're hard to prevent. And they can cause a lot of disease. Lyme's disease, anaplasmosis or lichiosis. There's lots of things that different types of ticks can give to your pet. Um, that is why a lot of veterinary offices, I know the majority, um, when they test your pet once a year for heartworms, it's a lot of them are doing their four base tests. So they have like a four flex or a 40 X is what they're called. Um, but it tests for, um, tick-borne diseases such as Lyme and ehrlichiosis and anaplasmosis, as well as your heartworms, um, which is great because it's giving you that extra kind of look. Um, but like I said, ticks can be hard to treat. So getting on a good prevention for that is key. When you look at getting infestations for these things, fleas and tick infestations are hard to get rid of. It's timely to get rid of. It's a lot of work. It's so much easier just to do the prevention. Um, keep your pets safe and then you don't have to go through the hassle of bombing your house and having people coming out and spraying your yards and it just becomes a huge time consuming and costly process um, to solve the problem once you have the problem, as opposed to what you're going to spend in the ease of just using the prevention. Um, another thing that is important to look at when you talk about parasites is your internal parasites. So a lot of people, when they think they're heartworm medication, they just think heartworms. Um, the majority of the heartworm preventions that you give also treat for internal parasites, which are huge. Most internal parasites, a lot of times you're getting from soil, things of that nature. But those are like roundworms, whipworms, hookworms, 
all things that can cause issues in your pet. Um, so it's definitely important to stay on your prevention every month. Uh, make sure you have a good heartworm prevention that accompanies your internal parasites as well as a flea and tick medication. Like I said, some can be combined into one um, prevention. Others, you know, are separated out, just making sure that you cover everything. And the CAPC, um, when you go to their website, they have specific regions. So you can go on to your state and then you can go on to your county and they have it broken down for all the counties as well. And you can look up in there how many tick related illnesses they're coming down with and they're diagnosing in your area, how many heartworm cases they're diagnosing each and every month. It's a great resource. And that way you can see how much of a prevalence you have in your area for each item. Thank you very much, Monica. It's really important that in parasites that it's parasite prevention. And the CAPC is like helps you regionally to find out what's in your area. So go to capcvet.org. And Monica, thank you for this great information. Thank you. Have a great week. Hello, everyone. Susan Maria Miss Olive here to announce the release of the second book in the Doggy Diva Diaries series, Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Friends, a story about Miss Olive's encounters with bullying at a dog park and how she learns a life lesson. Please check out the original award-winning book, Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Home, which is a story about adoption and rescue. Both books are available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And please visit thedoggydiva.com for more information. Thank you, everyone. Coming up, remembering and honoring your pet through comforting artwork. Stay tuned. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. The passing of a beloved pet is a difficult experience for pet parents. And as a pet parent myself, I understand the importance of saying goodbye and commemorating our beloved companions. The beautiful remembering tribute kits is a special way to create that lasting condition with your furry companions honoring their memories forever. And with us today is the founder of Remembering, Emily Piccarella. Welcome, Emily, to the Doggy Diva Show. 
Thank you so very much. I'm happy to be here. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Emily, your background, both your professional and your personal background is extremely diverse and very interesting. Could you share that with our listeners? Sure. I have a pretty funky past. That's definitely true. (laughs) Um, Probably the most relevant part of it is I spent about 20 years as an art therapist and a grief counselor, largely in the AIDS community. And so I learned a lot about the dying process during those years and the importance of having meaningful ways of saying goodbye. Um, During that time, I actually spent quite a bit um, of my clinical experience working with families and preparing children, helping them with disclosure so they understood the presence of AIDS in their family and preparing and accompanying kids to funerals, family funerals. Um, And there was one little girl in particular that I worked with who um, was quite devastated and distraught as we were getting ready for that funeral. And in the process, I, um, I spontaneously, as an art therapist often do, I created something to help her bind her anxiety. That's the expression we tend to use. That was essentially I just took a piece of paper, cut out a circle, and then cut out the, an inner circle. And I explained to her that what we were going to do was she was going to take that center circle and write a farewell message to her mom. And then when we got to the funeral, she was going to put, we were going to go up and put it in the casket together. And then in the next session, because I had a photo of her mom, we transformed the outer ring that was around it into a frame so she could keep that. So, and it was so effective. I was astonished at what a difference it made just in the healing process for this child that I actually just started making them on my own for all the kids that I was working with. And I also found that the adults wanted them as well. So while I didn't create a business at that point because I was so busy with that part of my life, I knew that I was onto something that would help create a new mourning tradition that had essentially universal appeal and it was very um, easy to apply in lots of different settings, different cultures, faiths, you know, basically anybody could use it. Plus, I also was impressed by the fact that it could be used by anybody of any age. I mean, I don't use them with kids younger than three because they have a couple small parts in them. But otherwise, I mean, it's they're wonderful for pretty much anybody who is going through that final end of life experience. I did. I'm a pet lover, too. I've had pets my whole life. And I did during a lot of my clinical sessions with folks who were grieving people, often the issue of lost pets would come up and they would be so it was like they were pulled back in time. And I realized that they didn't have opportunities to really grieve pets fully So I took that in the back of my head as well, because I was thinking, you know, there's clearly there's an unmet need in the pet loving community for more effective techniques for saying goodbye. So that's really the origin. It's interesting because it really started with people and then it evolved gradually into the pet world. In reading some of the background, you also said that as part of the therapy, it would come out that the people were grieving for pets that they lost many years ago. And and I think myself and some of the members of my family, we'd come home from school and one day our dog or our cat would be gone and it would be, oh, we took it to a farm. And that I think 
obviously life's changed a lot since then and the way people relate to it. But I think that some of that came out in therapies and that you had helped people address that also. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, there's a, there's a term that we generally use um, for situations related to not having the chance to fully say goodbye. And we consider it disenfranchised grief where it's not essentially the community isn't fully supportive for whatever reason. Um, it can happen in lots of situations, but I think it's particularly common with pets. Um, and while yes, we are evolving over time in terms of pets being, you know, fully granted the status as family members we, there's still, it's a struggle because there are still folks that don't really understand how deep and profound the attachments are that we have with our pets and that they have with us and how rich our lives are with them. Um, I think part of that is because folks think we speak a different language, but the truth is we don't. I mean, you talk to folks that really love their pets and they're communicating all the time with each other. I mean, I know the signals of my pet's I know what's going on. I can look in their face. I can tell. I know all those little funky sounds that they make um, in order to really recognize, you know, what they're experiencing, their thoughts and their feelings. But I think that that's something that some folks don't understand. And so if you lose a, a pet, they, they can say, well, you know, you can always get another one or it's just a pet. And that, you know, just adds to the pain mm -hmm. because, you know, how alienated you can feel. And you know, it, it, you can almost feel a certain embarrassment by how deep your grief is. So it's really important for you to have ways to grieve effectively and also to have a community of folks that you know, you know, you can trust and rely on um, as you're going through the loss. Your website is very in-depth and you give a lot of information on grieving. Can you tell us how important the holding on and the letting go is in that grieving process? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we know, it's, I mean, obviously pet loss can happen in lots of different ways. It could be sudden and traumatic, like, you know, by being hit by a car, or it can be a long process that, you know, you really can anticipate it. Um, but no matter what happens, when the death occurs, it's still a shock because you go from having this close loved one in your physical presence to them being gone. So while the love lasts forever, the connection lasts forever, their physical absence is so profound. I mean, you just, you know, all the, the particularly with pets, because it's so intimate. Mm -hmm. They're around us all the time. You know, they sleep with us. We're responsible for all their needs for the full duration of their life. Unlike people, like if you raise a child, I mean, they usually, you know, obviously, they, you know, they learn to feed themselves, you know, they, you don't have to walk them. I mean, there's an awful <laughs> lot of things about pets that they remain very dependent on you. And I think that closeness really reinforces the, the, the struggle that we have when we when they die. And so there's that ambivalence. We know, you know, we need to to accept and reconcile ourselves to the loss, you know, that we need to integrate it into our new normal and figure out how to move forward, you know, essentially with the continuum of time, you know, just days will progress and we need to somehow get to the next one, despite the fact that we can feel incredibly stuck in that moment.
So there is that sense that we really want to hold on to them. You know, we, we really, you know, physically we can't, we need ways to, to memorialize them, to honor them, to celebrate them because grief is really love. That's what it is. You're not going to grieve anything if you didn't love it. So it's really important that we recognize that and, and really revere it in a sense. It's a sacred, grief is a sacred expression of our love for someone or something really dear to us. And so, you know, we need ways to hold on, but we also know that we have to say goodbye because we also, we recognize that that's what's healthy. You know, there is a healing that has to happen. Sometimes you can extract some wisdom and meaning from the experience. It's often for most people, there's some growth that happens around it because there's that recognition that, you know, basically everything is impermanent. You know, we live with change. And so you come to recognize that if you if you can be in the present moment with pets are awesome at teaching us how to be in the present moment, that gratitude that you can gain in that process of letting go is is part of our growth. It's part of how we become more fully present in the world. And, and also it deepens our relationships with all our other loved ones because we realize how precious our time is with them. So those really are the two aspects of the grieving process. Some people get very caught in the holding on and have they really struggle with the letting go. And then other folks are very quick to let go, <laughs> you know, because it's so, it's so hard to sit with the pain. Um, and sometimes that's not healthy either. You know, you really have to move with your grief and you have to be present for it. And in a sense, you kind of have to lean into the discomfort a bit so that you really are going through the experience that you're not dodging it. You can't dodge it. You have to go through it. Sometimes it can be pretty long. I mean, I've experienced it uh, not actually not too and not too long ago. So it's, it, and it is, it's a, a grieving is love. So if you love the, your pet, if you love the person, whatever it is, if you love it to let it go is hard. And in the um, remembrance tribute kits, which are so, so beautiful, by the way, they're, they're really, really beautiful. Uh, They kind of help with that holding on, letting go process. Can you tell us about the kits? Sure. Um, I, I very thoughtfully designed these um, so that they would be as accessible, um, straightforward, so that the process of transforming this, it's a round, heavy paper disc with the die cut center token. Um, and everything that you need is in the kit except a photo of the pet. Um, scissors and something scissors if you need to cut down the photo to fit it in the sleeve that the photo sleeve that gets attached to the back of the frame and something to write your message with because the reverse side of the token is blank Um, if children do it sometimes they you know want to draw things too I mean adults do as well I mean anybody you can decorate the reverse side any way you want kids because they're not as expressive with words they struggle more with figuring out how to say how they feel they'll often do little drawings as well um and that's you know that 
that's part of my art therapy background as well, you know, encouraging people to however they want to capture their, um, their memories, their feelings, their gratitude for the pet. You know, they can do it any way they want on the back of it. Um, in the kit, you also get a little hanger and a magnet. So if you want to put it on the wall or on the fridge or filing cabinet or wherever you want to display the frame, you have options for that as well. There's four designs. So I'm also a fine artist. So I created the four designs that cover the surface of each of them. Um, one is um, specific to a lot of folks around pet loss um, have a, a belief that when pets die, they cross what they call the rainbow bridge and that they're waiting for us on the other side and that they will greet us when we die. And so in honor of that community, and also just because I think it's a universally beautiful image, one of them has like a blue sky with some puffy white clouds. And then there's a rainbow that goes all the way around the outer ring. In the center of all of them is a heart with a paw print. So that one is, it's a cloud. The next one is a night sky, um, which is stars all over the surface and there's actually a shooting star on the outer ring of that in the center it's as if there's a constellation in the shape of a heart and a paw print in the center that one speaks to the belief that there are lots of um notions around the night sky and stars and whether or not it's you know um our loved ones looking down on us that they become stars or that they're holes in the heaven and they're looking down at us through those holes there are a lot of beautiful poetic associations with the night sky. A, a, you know, one of the most traditional things around mourning are flowers. And in part, for a number of reasons, they have a lot of um, meaning. Um, one of them is the, the obvious one in that, you know, they're, they're very temporary, you know, and, but they're gorgeous and we value them for as brief as they are in this world. And, so I asked, I actually kind of pulled the studio audience and said, okay, what flower would you most associate with a pet? And it was amazing the number of people who said a daisy. And I think daisies are just people love daisies because they're just really happy flowers. I mean, they just make you smile when you look at them. So the third one is um, a daisy. Um, and it's it just, you know, it's, it's the center of it is the center of the daisy and it has a heart in it and a paw print. I, I think it's so cute because where the daisy would normally have the yellow center, it's like the yellow center, but shaped like a heart. It, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely. Oh, beautiful. thank you. Yeah. Thanks. And then the fourth one is actually, I talked with children and asked them what they thought was, would kind of capture their feelings for their pets and a lot of them said rainbows and so it's while the the one with the sky also has a rainbow in it this is much it's very punchy and very um bright and colorful and that one i actually made um a heart out of clay and painted it gold and the paw print has different the different the spectrum in the the pads of the the paw print and I photographed that and then, you know, photoshopped it into the graphic design for the surface. The, the spectrum that goes around it, I actually created using tissue paper. Um, 
so I mean, there's some of like the the um, the the day sky, the blue sky with the rainbow. That's an oil painting. The night sky is mixed media. I use all sorts of different things to get that effect. Um, watercolor, watercolor pencils, pastel. Um, trying to think of what else. All sorts of things. I was just like pulling everything out of the box, <laughs> trying to get that finished look. And then the daisy I did with that's mostly colored pencils and watercolor pencils, and and then yes, and then the other one was tissue paper and clay. I had a wonderful time doing it. And really, what I'd like to do is I as I extend the line and create new designs because they kind of are a bit like greeting cards. You know, where you, you, some of them I'll retire over time and I'll, I'll add new ones. I have lots of ideas for new ones, but I also think it would be great to have other artists contribute designs so that it, it has more variety um, and even have some children do some designs for them. I'm in an animal community. I have most of my friends are animal lovers and pet parents and rescue people. And you mentioned it's almost like a greeting card. Sometimes we don't know. We want to send something special. There are greeting cards that, that are out there. But I just saw this, your the tribute kit, your remembering tribute kit. And I just said, what a special way to honor someone's pet who's passed, not only my own, but someone else, because it, the detail that you did that's gone into these beautiful, beautiful rings, I mean, and you could use them as frames or put maybe your dog's little ID tag or a tuft of fur, whatever you want to, so that you have that hold on. And it's a beautiful frame. I mean, all of them are absolutely exquisite. And then the little disc for letting go. And I was telling a couple of people about this and they were like, oh, oh my gosh, that's like so special. Then the little disc, you could either have it uh, be with their cremains or whatever it is you want to do, put it in a little memorial garden, have it however you want to do it, but it's like you've sort of completed that circle. And not only is it good for us as pet parents, but I think also to honor other people's pets who we know in it's set up like a greeting card. So it'd be very easy to mail to someone. And I just think that if someone opened up one of these and the artwork that you did is absolutely exquisite and the meaning behind it is so special, it's so very well thought out and very passionate what you did that I think that someone opening it, it would help them move or in that grieving process. I honestly believe it would, which is why I felt it was so important to, to have you on the show. It's, it's a tough thing to go through as a pet parent. And it's a tough thing for when you see your friends going through it or your family going through it and whether it be a pet or whether it be, you know, a human, it's, this uh -huh. is a great way to honor and commemorate and memorialize whoever it is that you love or whether, like I said, a pet or a human, it's just so special. So, so where can the listeners go to learn about remembering? Where can they see it? Uh, you have a great website. You have a whole grieving thing on there, which is, I think, wonderful. And also your background, which is fascinating. Sure. They can go to the website, which is remembering.pet, P-E-T. Um, and yeah, there are lots of different components on the website and they can see the different designs. One thing I also want to add about the surface design is I, I made it deliberately so that the, the image covers the entire surface. So even when you take the two pieces apart, 
that connection, that visual connection is still there. It lasts forever. So that's another symbolic expression of that loving bond that even though you're apart, you're still, you'll always be together. You'll always maintain that connection. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why they're also quite different than greeting cards because there is that active process. It's not just something you open and read, you do it. You know, you experience it and it and it really does help with the healing because, you know, it gives you a chance to engage in your own grief in this very positive, affirmative way. Well, it's interesting because years and years and years ago when I uh, was at a job and one of my pets had had passed away and I used to travel a lot for this job. I was really, really, this was one of my heart dogs. I mean, I've had so many dogs. We do a lot of fostering. We do a lot of stuff, but it was one of my heart dogs. And it was really hard for me to get through and nobody really wanted to talk about it. Nobody understood it. Nobody knew about it. Nobody, you didn't address these things back in the day. And so then another person I worked with had a pet pass. So I had, I was trying to find something. I found a human sympathy card. They didn't have animal ones at that time. Then we've evolved into sympathy cards for animals. I feel that what you've done, Emily, is you've taken it kind of like to the next level. And this is like something that I've been myself as a pet parent, been looking for for years. So when I found it, I wanted to be able to share it with people who I think listening to my show have the same feelings that I do about when their pets pass, how important it is to memorialize them. And so like I said, if it's your own pet or if you're sending it to someone, what a perfect, and these designs are so exquisite. It takes it a step further than a card. It takes, it does something, like you said, to, you're holding on with one part of it and letting go with the other. It's It sort of helps to move you along in the grieving process in a very positive way. That's great. I'm I'm really glad you say that, you know, because in my mind they're quite magical. I they mean, are. They, definitely. They have they, they really can can be a, a tremendous support. And you know, I another aspect of it that I really hope speaking to what you just said in terms of how kind of alienated we can feel around pet losses. I love the idea that when people display them then when their friends or family around and they see it, then they can, they can say, oh, you know, and then you can start storytelling about that pet. So you, it's a way also of keeping their memory alive. And it's, you know, because they, they remain in our lives forever. And so it's just a nice way to have their presence there. Um, the other aspect of rememberings that I just want to mention that I think is really important is that, you know, children tend to relate to their pets as close siblings, best friends, and it's often the death of a pet is often their first experience with death. And, you know, as you said initially when we first started speaking, you know, the pets, families often parents, with their best intention, they put the, the dog, they euthanize them while the kids are in school um, and kids are tend to be kind of left out because I think parents are trying to, you know, save them from some of the pain, but that also deprives them of really being part of the process and allowing them to participate in some way. 
So rememberings are especially great for families because it becomes like a tool for parents to engage with their kids. And a child doesn't have to, they can take it to the room and do it on their own. It's not like it needs to be a family activity where everyone's doing them around the dining room table, which can work as well, you know, but whatever they can be that personalized that because we know grief, often we kind of retreat into ourselves and there's a very private aspect of it. And some children, that's what they need and it should be respected. And, you know, kids have different temperaments, developmental stages, different relationships with the pets, different experiences just generally in life in terms of what else is happening in their world. So it's a great thing for parents to, to share with their children, and yet it can calibrate according to that particular child. And the parent can use it, you know, to help them understand grief and um, understand, you know, just all the, the life lessons that come with that, because there will be more losses, you know, and it's often that introduction to that world of, of you know, growing up, you know, that learning to, to love and let go and, and honor that love, you know, kids need to, they need to learn how to do that, you know, to really live fully and also be very present for as long as our relationships last, you know, to make the most of them. And that's so special. And Emily, I want to thank you for being our guest today and for creating such a beautiful way to memorialize and commemorate our beloved pets uh, in such a personal way to honor them like forever. And uh, I miss Olive, who's my little co-host here, and I have, we think that it's so special and so important as a part of the grieving process, and not only that, but it's, they're beautiful, um, that we've chosen them as one of Miss Olive's favorite things for the July-August issue of Suncoast Pet Magazine. We want to make sure that everybody knows about this, everybody understands it, and everybody sees the importance of helping them move on in the grieving process when you memorialize and commemorate and, and in such a beautiful way. So I want to thank you for that. And to learn more, go to remembering.pet. You'll see all these beautiful designs. And you'll also, if you're going through uh, something right now where you are grieving or you've been going through the process, there's some great information on Emily's website that actually may help you and help to open you up and move you on. So I thank you so very much, Emily. It's It's uh, been wonderful talking to you, and thank you for creating such a special way to memorialize our pets with remembering. Thank you so much. This is just a wonderful opportunity. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm grateful that you appreciate remembering. Thank you again. Thank you. We'll be back in just a moment. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet we would like to thank our guests this week. 
And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great Diva Week, everyone. That's all for this episode of the Doggy Diva Show. To find out more, go to our website, thedoggydiva.com. Also, find us on our Facebook page, The Doggy Diva Show, and tell your fellow dog lovers about it. Don't miss Susan Marie, Miss Olive, and The Doggy Divas right here for the next episode. See you again soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.